Alabama fans are not having these worries about their teams right now. <laughs> like that team looks absolutely dominant in every way. And we're looking at Georgia. We're like, yep, they got a lot of stuff to work on. We weren't saying that very often last year. Oftentimes we go through our days, weeks, and months not even realizing what all we have accomplished during that amount of time. What once began as such a new and confusing and exciting thing slowly turned into something routine or expected even. Now what's wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. What the heck am I talking about? Well, here on this podcast we just recorded and you're listening to our 150th episode. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and this is the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Yep, episode 150. And I'm joined today, as usual, by my co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller. And this is the Georgia versus Missouri postgame show. As we were recording this episode, not one of us even realized the very cool milestone that we just passed. So I found it fitting to mention it during this very introduction. But we are here, and you are here, for our post-game reactions on the Dogs' 43-29 victory over the Tigers. The three of us probably felt very similar to all of y'all after that two-touchdown win. There were some definite highlights on offense, defense, and especially special teams, yet the mistakes were ever so glaring, and we touch on all of those during this short episode. So thanks to all of y'all for subscribing and interacting with us through our first 150 shows. We greatly appreciate it. And without any further delay, let's just jump on into it. Here's Will to kick us off. All right, so... I don't know whether it is something that we should be excited about that Georgia won on the road against an undefeated team with a potential number one overall pick in front of a hot crowd, hot ish crowd uh, that saw the biggest game of the year. They won by 14. They won pretty easily. And everyone seems so mad. I understand that clearly was the worst game they played in a long time. But if this is the the low watermark, if they, the worst game they play ends like this, maybe this is a game that should have been coming all along. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, people are legitimately complaining, I guess, about the defensive line play. i got to be honest. I'm more concerned about offensive line play, but – We'll get to that in a minute. You know, but I think you're right. I think when you – I went back and looked at some select plays just to make sure I was remembering the game the way I thought I was remembering it. And it was – put it this way, I wasn't as stressed out in the, at this game as I was about the game last year. And part of that probably has to do with where we are as a program now and, you know, the, the faith in the faith in this team and the, the my, my willingness to accept that this team – can handle being in tough situations. But, you know, I get where people are coming from, but I think I think we pump the brakes on the Sugar Bowl is our absolute max uh, top out this year. I feel all right about the game. Um, it was a 14-point victory. Uh, considering what happened in college football yesterday with uh, teams like Oklahoma State losing, Oklahoma almost lost to Army, Virginia Tech took the worst loss in probably 10 years, and then Mississippi State getting boat raced by Kentucky. This is just one of those things that happens, and this is why this is why college football is so awesome. You think you know, but you just don't know. And Sands, a couple of uh, 
interesting bounces that really went Georgia's way. Georgia could have been lumped into that because, you know, if you didn't have that Tyson Campbell strip, which could have been whistled dead before it even happened because of forward progress or you know, the missed field goal by Missouri. If you go back and look at that, that could have been good and given a momentum. There's quite a few things that could have happened, but, it, but Georgia caught some breaks yesterday. And then they made enough plays, especially coming out after halftime. I think Kirby smart pretty much owns the third quarter and kind of reestablishing the team, you know, when they tend to lose their way. So all in all, 14 points yet yeah, felt a little bit concerning. And I agree with you, Tony and will on your concerns about it, but I mean, looking at kind of the glass half full, I'll take it. Oh, but people that are complaining, there are a few people out there complaining. Perhaps no one is complaining louder about this game than Kirby Smart. <laughs> it was funny. It had been a while since you'd seen a full-on Kirby Smart rage stroke. And it was funny. I was talking. Uh, uh, I was actually over at Tony's watching this game. And I was talking to the person next to me. Uh, UJ, I think it was UJ Carey. Uh, or maybe it was uh, our friend Matt Adair. But watching Kirby Smart have the insane fit that he had in the second quarter. Whenever coaches do that, it makes me uncomfortable because I don't get that angry about literally anything. <laughs> like like nothing makes me that angry. And the, a poor play halfway through the second quarter of a game that you are winning by two touchdowns. To see someone angry feels like I'm seeing a personal moment that I haven't earned. No, it's, it's, it's just like a little bit too intense. He was very angry, pretty much from start to finish. And listen, with some pretty good reasons. Like, you know, I know that this was the first time uh, I was watching the game with UJ Carey, and she she said there was occasionally this game had some ricked vibes. That seems, I don't know about that, uh, but I'll say that this was the first game where you thought, okay, there actually is stuff that this team needs to work on, and more to the point, there are focus issues in this game that we didn't see last year. Like we, there wasn't a game like this last year. Maybe Vanderbilt a little, but not, or maybe Missouri a little. But there really wasn't a game. It didn't seem like to me where they were obviously better than the other team and obviously more talented and frittered and farted around enough to where they could have lost. Like it felt like they brought it. It was it was a revenge tour, right? Like that was a whole thing last year. It was a revenge tour. They came in hot every single game. I think that is probably what alarmed people the most, probably including the coach, was it felt like, you know what, they're making a lot of stupid little mistakes, these late hit calls, the we're going to get into the getting rid of the ball before you walk into the end zone uh, sort of stuff, and a lot of the penalties. It felt like the first time in a while where they walked in saying, yep, we're winning this game, we don't need to really worry about it too much. And I, they didn't pay the ultimate price for the game, but I think it was telling that that's something we haven't seen in a while. The thing I've been thinking about, about that game is we just look like a young team which was new, right? Um, even against Auburn last year, I don't think we really looked young. And we could talk a little bit about some of the calls or no calls or however you want to frame that, but there were times we lost focus. The dropping the ball is a, is a symptom, not a sickness, but we're, there were times where we just we jumped off sides and, and stopped to drive. And there was a legit late hit um, that ruined the drive, and then there was a, I can't believe they just called that late hit where Tyler Clark, I think trip the quarterback. I don't know, but you know, on the on the plus side is that the team as a whole they played well enough to win. But well, I think you're. I think the reason Kirby was freaking out is that he's been waiting for that moment to get their attention. And if this game doesn't get your attention, well, you know, you know, maybe the Sugar Bowl is the max limit for the team. But I think it is a little bit of an indictment of the youth that we have playing that we performed the way we performed at times in the game. You know, it's. 
it's not hard to see there are opportunities for Georgia to really step on their throat. And it's got to get to what you were saying about the, you know, a couple of breaks go the other way. Uh, it's also not hard to see that Missouri's a pretty good football team. I think I, I said they would be second in the East, and I didn't see anything out of them yesterday to make me change my mind. The freaking out of Kirby Smart, I enjoy seeing that on the sideline. I know that uh, it happened when the aforementioned Tyler Clark play when uh, Ledbetter came and gave that little love tap to Drew Locke, and then they threw the flag on that. You can see Kirby freaking out on the sideline for that. But I don't, or I don't have any you know bad thoughts about it because I talked to a lot of people, and I think it was kind of said online, and I'm sure we said it together when we were watching the game yesterday, but this is a game that Georgia loses four or five years ago. I mean, hands down. I, and it's not an indictment on Mark Richt. I just think it's the way that the makeup was on the program, which Kirby is changing. And you can go in there and really not have your best and still – have a comfortable victory because we never got to that point in the second half where they're within one score. It came close and it felt nervous for a while, but then Georgia would make a play and they would make a stop. And then eventually you realize with about five minutes left that Georgia was going to win that game by, you know, a couple scores. So again, I, I'm going to end my thought like I did on my first thought of this. <laughs> I'm pretty pleased with it. I know there's plenty to nitpick about it, but it's kind of like, Hey, we're four and oh, and we've got terrible Tennessee coming into town. And maybe that's what we needed to get that wake up call where they're going to have a good week of practice. So they don't fiddle fart around against an awful putrid Tennessee team. Yeah. It's, it's just, it is not a bad place to be when you do have a fiddle fart game like this. And it was uh, for the record and you're totally fine. And I think a lot of the worries and frustrations about this game feel phantom limb ish. <laughs> it feels like, it feels a little like, Oh, I remember when we used to lose games like this, but it's not the same team. It's not, never mind. It's not the same coach. It's just not the same talent level. Like this is a game where Georgia could really kind of not have their head in the game and make a lot of mistakes and then, boom, you guy gets wide open for an 80-yard pass. Or, boom, you run a pump for all the way back. Like, that is, for me, that is, that's the difference. Is The problem is that you don't, fine, so you don't lose games like this to Missouri. You lose games like this to LSU. You lose games like this to Auburn. And I think that is why Kirby Smart was mm-hmm. freaking out so much. It still feels weird. Like, the, I, I love football. I love sports. I'm really into all this stuff. It still feels weird that, like, a grown man my age is having a rate stroke over 18-year-olds running around the field. It just feels excessive. Uh, it feels – it just – it feels like, like, wow, this person thinks football is maybe a little bit more important than it actually is in the grand spectrum of things. But that's just – that's just me, I suppose. Um, uh, one thing. Well, I mean, not everybody can have a chill, lovey beard. So exactly. I mean, hey, yeah, we'll get into that. Just gotta lean in. We'll get into that. So, Scott, by the way, I want to give you a chance to plug. I saw you are you did a full post game post. Yeah, I did. Podcast. Uh, I, it was very good. I liked it. I'm going to personally request no more barstool embedded tweets. Uh, <laughs> that's my personal request of that. Uh, or if you're going to do it, just be like barstool and call every woman on the internet a horrible name while you're doing so. But uh, otherwise, I really did like the uh, – I, I thought that was a good little wrap-up podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, and the only reason I embedded Barstool is because I searched endlessly for a clip and they seem to be the only ones that had it. So uh, duly noted. But uh, <laughs> I wrote a post on waitingsincelastsaturday.com, um, five questionable plays that could have helped Missouri win the game. And you kind of go through it all. And really, the thing that stuck out to me was what I mentioned earlier was the missed field goal. I saw that this morning and I was like, oh, my gosh, we didn't even realize because, sure, that would have been early in the game, but that could have really really turn momentum for Missouri's way. And then really the last questionable play 
was the fact that um, it wasn't the Holloman thing. It was the the hit that Fromm took uh, oh when that he handed terrible. it off to Swift and nothing was called. I mean, it was as late as it could be and nothing happened. And the ref is standing right there. So that could have gone our way and it didn't because then, you know, we didn't get the first down after that. So yeah, I'd encourage you to go over to WSLS podcast dot com and and read it and also uh, it occurs to me as i was looking to, clicking to this post that is not actually an official barstool twitter that is actually okay. a someone impersonating a barstool twitter to there and therefore probably costing barstool money in that case link away embed away <laughs> uh all that you wish uh scott i apologize for stopping you on that do we want to talk about the play do we want to talk about the uh i was trying to come up with a good joke to end this podcast to where like, okay, I guess the podcast is done. And then I realized that, that we're still going and, and then I've, I've totally cost us the whole podcast. I guess that would be a, I guess dropping the ball before you cross the goal line is the equivalent of forgetting to hit save on a preview podcast, I suppose. Oh my God. And, and I'd like to, I'd like to take the first answer to that. If, if I can, um, we were all watching it and I think I shouted out as it was happening in real time, like, Oh no, he dropped the ball. And people are like, what? And I'm like, watch this replay. It's going to be close. And, Thank goodness pylon cam wasn't there. And thank goodness ESPN didn't have another camera right on the goal line because I think that probably could have been reversed. And that could have been huge because there was still plenty of time left in the game. However, having said that, it's, it's done. It's JJ uh, Holloman is a great receiver. He's a sophomore. Um, he means the best he can when he's playing out there. The thing that I have a problem with is after the game, I'm scrolling social media and you see Georgia fans lambasting this guy personally at mentioning him talking about all kinds of smack towards him about uh, how foolish you could be. And, and really the biggest thing I want to say, and I put this in the post is don't tweet stupid things to the players when they make mistakes, you know, you're a grown man or woman. Yeah, don't stoop to that. Uh, I mean, it was kind of embarrassing as a college football fan and a fan of Georgia. I can criticize the team and Kirby, you know, and anybody can, but don't stoop so low to at them on Twitter just to show you're behind to them as well. I just think it's in poor taste. And if you're out there and you're the type of person to do that, just don't do that anymore. It, It doesn't, it doesn't help anybody. I think it was a dumb play. I bet that there will be no more players, offense or defense dropping balls before they cross the goal line. I, I look forward to the Tennessee game to see how far they carry it into the end zone. Well, you're, I mean, you heard what Baker had to do. Baker basically had to stand in the back of the end zone for 15 minutes watching guys actually perform the play properly. Look, I get it. You're excited. You've just broken off a big play. But <laughs> run out the back of the end zone with the ball. I mean, Forrest Gump will take. Make the band stop you. Just don't do that. Uh, also, yeah, don't be that guy. Be better than that. Don't, don't tweet at players. Uh, this is the worst. Well, I'm sure everyone who does all of those things are listening and be like, wow, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a totally reasonable person already. Yeah, I'm a totally reasonable person already. So uh, now I'll absolutely respond. Uh, but yeah, so to me, this is this is kind of the platonic ideal. Like, I will say this. I know it was a frustrating game. I thought they played poorly as well. Uh, they did. I mean, they played poorly. Like, they obviously, they're really good. So they were able to kind of handle it uh, in in. in relatively easy fashion but they played poorly like this is to me this is a kind of a pivot game right like the first three games a year we after every after every game we've been like yeah so i don't know they're awesome they just totally crushed them that's amazing uh to have a game like this it's a pivot point right and we'll probably talk this more when we do the preview of the tennessee game but it does seem to me a pivot point it is a okay now is this a one-off game 
where they came in a little bit not not really worrying about it too much and came in at eleven o'clock start in, in, in the Midwest. But they're not really into it that much. And they'll learn from this now and recover. Or does this reveal something about the youth of this team that we did not already know? I think that's what we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. The good news is the schedule could probably not set up any more perfectly for them to be able to figure it out. right? Like They've got two pretty easy games coming up, setting up for the really, really huge game. But this is the first point where you sweat it out a little bit. This is the first time you're like, okay, this team is not like I put it this way. Alabama fans are not having these worries about their teams right now. <laughs> like that team looks absolutely dominant in every way. And we're looking at Georgia. We're like, yep, they got a lot of stuff to work on. We weren't saying that very often last year. Yeah, I think one of the things, though, and, and I'm, I'm going to put on Scott's glass half full hat for a minute. Um, I think there's a world you can look at that game, at this game, and say, Georgia wanted to do just enough, again, just enough to win. We only took a couple of deep shots. As a matter of fact, we, and by the way, thank you all for coming out yesterday. I was flabbergasted, obviously. I had no idea that Kristen had been planning this. Just surprise, it was a surprise birthday party for Tony. That's what we Yeah, for, yeah just for listeners, my wife planned a surprise 50.25 birthday party for me since we were in Michigan on my actual birthday. And I show up, and there's literally 50 people at the house uh, after my son's soccer match. Uh, which is awesome to get to watch the football game with, with my, my friends and loved ones. Um, so there is a way to look at this game where Georgia was still trying to stay pretty base. I mean, matter of fact, when I think it was Hardman, he threw the long, like 67 yard or whatever it was, to Holloman. I think Will, you and I looked, it was like, oh, well, there it is. That's the, oh, yeah, this is what we can do. We did almost to a bullheaded, almost to the throw the dang ball, Cheney, um, amount, run the ball at the middle. And on defense, we said, you know what, we're going to let Drew Locke try to hand the ball off and beat us. And they actually, that's where they were able to make their hay. You know, Drew Locke, who is going to be a, a legit first round pick probably just had his worst game of the season yesterday in, in, in Missouri and probably one of the second or third worst games in his career. So, you know, there are some takeaways there. Our, our past defense looks really good. That doesn't provide a lot of solace when we start looking down the road and see an LSU team that likes to pound the ground. An Auburn team that is not necessarily pounding ground, but they're going to certainly want to run the ball um, out of different looks. Um, and then, you know, whatever happens beyond that in the bowl games. But I think you're right, it is an inflection point because we'll have a good sense where we are down the road. And this might be a game we look back on. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could, could totally see this coming. Well, I'm sure that uh, Nick Saban would like to have <laughs> some things to gripe about because he was basically yeah. openly asking for the media to write bad things about him <laughs> so he could show yeah. his team. Yeah, very different post-game press conferences. Like, Nick Saban is mad because people, his team is too good. I'm <laughs> yeah. praising our 68-point win. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. He actually coined said, I'm not going to do the rat poison thing again, but I'm like, dude, that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look out for uh, Kentucky. Yeah, well, we'll talk yeah, about that. That was that was a good win for them. Um, that did not see that coming. No, Benny um, Snell. Wow. I mean, I think it hurt. It was raining all night. I think Mississippi State had a couple of drop passes that might have been game changers there. But still, I have been saying, in order for the SEC East to get some cred, you have to win those crossovers, especially those not, uh, those those one-off crossover games. All right, so and last thing, I just want to remind everyone that at the eight-minute mark of the third quarter on Friday night, the Illinois Fighting Illini were beating the number 10 team in the country 24-21. to 21. And then the game ended. Then the game ended and nothing happened after that point <laughs> whatsoever. <clears throat> what was um, the final score? Uh, something other than 24-21, I don't remember. I don't remember. Like, 
exactly what you Actually, you know what? There's, I, that was actually a, exactly what you asked for in your Illinois minute or so. Uh, like, if we are in the game in the third quarter, I'm just going to be happy. And I think you saw, and I still think Illinois has six wins on the table. Yeah, I, I, uh, I certainly look how they bad they play with a lot of fight. Yeah. Against yeah. a good team. Yeah, I agree, man. I tell you, respect the beard. Respect the beard. Okay, well, we'll be back with a uh, – we're going to be back on doing it again at night, by the way. So I don't think anyone's noticed a difference between the daytime shows and the nighttime shows, but we're doing a nighttime show uh, tomorrow night uh, after dark. So, so keep that in mind. But uh, otherwise, happy birthday, Tony. Happy 40th, 50th of quarter. Thank you, man. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, otherwise, uh, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Like Will mentioned in the episode, we will be back with our Georgia versus Tennessee preview show on Monday, which means you can expect to find that on your podcast player sometime on Tuesday. And while you're at it, please rate and review our show on iTunes. That helps more Georgia fans discover our show, believe it or not. And should you want to reach out to us, you can do so by tweeting our podcast at WSLS Podcast. Looking forward to our next 150 shows. Wow, based on our average yearly podcast, if I do the math correctly, that might take place sometime in 2020 or even 2021. Maybe it'll be around the time the dogs start the season versus Oregon in the kickoff classic. One thing we do know is that Georgia still will not have traveled to College Station, but I digress. <laughs> have a great start to your week. The Bulldogs are 4-0 with the date versus the Vols in America's greatest college town this coming Saturday. And as always, we will see you on campus. Go dogs. Um, Tiger Woods won his little uh, hit the hit the ball that doesn't even move with a stick game. That was awesome. It's not even a major. Like who cares? Like no, Tiger Woods Tour Championship. Yeah, but it's not a major. But think about the story. It'd been like seventeen hundred days since he last won a yeah, golf who tournament. Gives a crap. The whole thing was he was supposed to beat Jack Nicholas, and the well, whole and now he never will. And to me, we are desperate to try to make oh Tiger, 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 Tiger happen until he passes like until he passes Jack Nicholas. His the last half of his career is a tragedy. I don't think that's going to happen. I know that's why he's a, that's why. But it's a redemption story. It's yeah. like you could write a great article about it. It's true. The redemption story. The things he overcome, like his own drug addiction and his constant womanizing. I congratulations for him to overcoming those entirely self inflicted obstacles. Well, no, no. Remember his uh, his caddy was a was 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 mean to him. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, he was mean to a lot of people. Steve, something, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, listen, I I actually like Tiger Woods, but let's not pretend that this is a wow. Good for Tiger. He's been through so much. Well, NBC sure was pretending it then. Of course. <laughs> like the, the reason this is happening is because everybody is bored with everyone else in golf. That's why. That's that's not a redemption story. It's just everybody, every other golfer, like every other golfer of all time, other than John Daly, is boring. And so now, finally, there's a, oh, good, the guy that's not boring, who, in fact, actually is boring, but people find him interesting for some reason. You guys want to talk about football? Will, you need to write an article about it. I have written enough Tiger Woods. For, I, have, <laughs> I have written more Tiger Woods articles than minutes I have watched golf. Um, Let's talk college football. <laughs> okay. Hang on a second. Let me get that.